This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. And a majority uh, oftentimes costs us more in the body of Christ than we like to, to believe, because sometimes we have this assumption that just because someone's old or knows the Bible or um, had this great experience that they're mature in Christ. But that is that's not the case at all. And um, we're going to see in the scriptures today uh, this play out. It's probably one of the most famous stories of all the Bible. And we've talked about this a couple of times. It's the story of the prodigal son. Um, so uh, this is the beginning of our resurrection month. And, um, and this month we're going to highlight uh, on what 
traditionally uh, church calls Easter Resurrection Sunday, uh, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, I want to mention before I get too far in that on April, the, and I lost that paper Pastor Dave, that's why I, I couldn't uh, make the announcement. April, April 14th at Grace Church Meeting Prairie crew is having their annual banquet and that's a ministry we, we do support, we, we do love uh, dearly. Uh, one of the best discipleship making organizations I think in the world but also in the area. Uh, Pastor Dave and Jackie are part of that as well. That ministry, uh, they do ministry at the University of Minnesota campus so if you don't know anything about crew, you know them and if you know anything about the work they do Please uh, take the time, stop, talk to them, or even attend the event. Consider giving to their to their, uh, their ministry. Um, also, uh, we have to put a pause, or I'll say, uh, on um, what is it? When, when is the Seder meal on the 19th? So we found out that the community center uh, doesn't allow food in the uh, facilities. So we're looking, we have a plan B, we haven't confirmed yet because Tiffany and Aaron Felty haven't gotten back to us because they're at a, a marriage retreat. But once they do, we'll confirm the location. Uh, right now it's looking like it potentially could be at our complex where we did the Super Bowl event at. Uh, it could be there and we'll be in the same great room having the meal there. So just, just uh, keep that in mind uh, before we go too far forward. Uh, anybody have any questions or thoughts or that I miss anything before I jump into the text? All right. All right. So i got a quote, and this one's a tough one, but I thought it was a good one for today. Maturity. Just so you know, I, I prepared these uh, messages. How, how long in advance? Two and a half years. Two and a half years in advance. So if you think I'm talking about you, I am. But I was thinking about you two and a half years ago, right? <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, but that's what we believe God speaks to us in this fashion. So I, I didn't know you were coming today I, because our church... You know, you don't know, but I know that today's message could be for you. So if it is, uh, I don't want to be the, that I'm a hindrance to that. But I want you to know that if God's speaking to you today, He's speaking to you, not, not me or not our church. Uh, maturity, control your emotions. Maturity, get understanding. Maturity, learn from daily experiences. Maturity, practice what you learn distinctively. Maturity, know when to do what. Maturity, understand silence actions and words and use them well and appropriately. Maturity, don't just say anything. Don't just do anything. Don't just act anything. Don't just throw anything and don't just show anything at all. Not even at the most compelling moment unless you're fully ready to be responsible without any speck of regret for the consequences of anything done out of immaturity. Let us get matured whilst we grow and let us grow in maturity. So we're coming from Luke today, chapter 15. This is one of the most awesome, uh, I think, I didn't say my favorite, I said most awesome uh, chapters, 15 and 16 in the Bible. Um, understand that Jesus is leaving from uh, the northern part of Israel. Remember, the northern kingdom was destroyed first by the Assyrians. They were sacked and sent off in all the different directions of the world. But Jesus went to them first, and he's coming down from northern uh, part of Israel down to Jerusalem. And while he's coming, he has already sent the 70 his disciples out before him. And they're, they're going out saying the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is coming. And as he's going to Jerusalem, his numbers are picking up. Now what's interesting is it's not the Pharisees, Sadducees, scholars, or scribes who are saying, Oh, this is the Messiah. Those are the people who come in two chiefs. 
The people who are actually coming to Jesus are the people who are broken, who are poor, who are what they would call sinners or tax collectors or, or prostitutes. Like these people are beginning to, to gather around to the message Jesus is teaching. And as these numbers begin to grow, the Pharisees and the Sadducees begin like disgruntled. And they begin to say ultimately, like, look at this. Why, why are you hanging out with sinners? This is the background to chapter 15 and 16, which represent various parables. I say various because 15 has three of them and 16 has two. And if you look hard enough, you'll see continuity between all of them. There's, there's one message because he's talking to a specific group of people. Now, to take a step back, say from 50,000 feet or a higher, you have to understand Luke is written to a, a, a Greek audience. He's a historian. He's a brilliant writer. So he is writing specifically to an audience who may or may not be completely familiar with the Jews' background. So he's, he's not communicating simply Jewish truths. He's communicating truths to a Western mind. So you would understand it today because we're in a Western culture, what he's trying to communicate. But as Jesus is going down, his numbers are growing. Now these Pharisees and Sadducees are trying to figure out how can we knock this guy off? He's doing miracles. People are following and the wrong people as well. And he's not saying what we want. We'd like to healing people, but we certainly like to be saying out of his mouth. And now, after this big debate, they call Jesus out. Jesus begins these parables. He he preached uh, one parable, and the first one was about a, a coin. No, it was a sheep that was lost, right? No, it was a no, sheep. Thank you. It was a sheep that was lost. Thank you. <laughs> and this, this sheep was, was lost. How many sheep got lost? It was one. one out of 99. Now, what's interesting about all these parables is that they all deal with money. And at the very end, if you go to chapter 16, he makes the point to highlight money. Because he said, you Pharisees, he you love money. So even though he's making some spiritual points, he's really talking deep down about the Pharisees and Sadducees' love of money, of man. He's, he's, a parable comes alongside of truth and it, it undermines, it flips it on his head. Because Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, is an upside down kingdom. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is who? The least. That's, that's how God's kingdom works. It's not a kingdom built on might, even though God is mighty. It's a kingdom based on love. And when you love people, you can't get hurt. But when you love somebody, you, 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 can, you give them the opportunity to respond authentically. To bring their full selves, they'd like to say, in today's culture. And that's what God has asked. He wants us to bring our full selves to Him. All that we are, good and bad, so that He can take that and make it something beautiful. Now, these broken people, they, they get that. They, they understand, I need to go back to God. But these Pharisees and Sadducees, they, they can't get with that because for them to acknowledge Jesus Christ's words means that they, the Pharisees and Sadducees, are no better than a tax collector, than a prostitute, than the pimp that's in distress. That was an inside joke there. All right, here we go. Verse 11. It says, then he said, this is Jesus talking, a certain man had how many sons? And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Now there's this law called uh, where the older son got two-thirds of the inheritance and the younger son only got one-third. Now most people believe that this is an insult. And it, it, 
we consider it an insult. Why? Because you don't ask your papa, your dad, for his wealth while he's alive because that means you want him dead. In that culture, it meant everything. I've even did some research, and there are times when people, young people, have done this, and they got killed because their culture has a base upon honor and dishonor. And this is what disrespectful. I want you dead, give me your money. It's like if your kid comes to you now, how much do I get in my will? In your will, Dad? <laughs> like that's that's really what it's like. How much do I get? Like how much goes to me? Well, can we hasten this process up? Because I need my Range Rover. It's inside joking. Well, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Here we go. And it says, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he what he divided to them, not just one, both of them received his livelihood. Now the father has given it away. He's given it away. And now let's look at this. And not many days afterward. Now he doesn't leave immediately. He leaves eventually. But he leaves nevertheless. And on this young man, he's leaving the, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. Now we have to understand that let's, let's, let's say his father lives in a country. Let's say he's in a rural, rural area. He's out there, right? He, the little boy, the young boy is, is not leaving with cows. He must have exchanged land or any material possessions for, for money. So he's leaving with money in his pocket to go, it says, to a, to a far country. Now he's not, he's not going to stay in Israel. He's going outside. This is a Jewish individual. He's leaving the country to go have fun. Now we can assume, that we're going to get to it in a minute, that he's leaving to go to a city. We'll get to that in a minute. But, but this is the most important part of these next two scriptures because I believe this is important for us today. It says, and there in this country wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, now this is the problem. That word wasted and this word right here. Now, this word wasted actually can go to the original meaning of the word. It really means spread abroad. So he has this money. And now we consider wasting because we're thinking he's partying. That's what we assume. That's what I've heard growing up. That he was drinking and sleeping around. But you don't, it doesn't say he's doing it. He's spreading this money abroad. We don't know if he's investing the money and making bad investments. But, but, but we know based upon this word, the nature of how he was using the money. Now this word is interesting because the word is actually, anybody know sotia? What that word means, sotia? It means salvation. And this word is a sotia. Now sozo is also another Greek word for, for salvation, but this is another word for salvation as well. Uh, it's a different, uh, in a sense, different usage of the word because it has a different ending. But it's the same word. So he's, he's spending his money broadly on things, and the word translated is out of ignorance, or in a sense, stylishness. So he, you, you get my boy. This guy's spending his money on stuff that makes him look good to other people. That, that's what he's spending his money on. And, and there, it's, to me, it changed the entire scripture. Because he's at home and probably he's like, I don't want to live like this. I want to live like they live over there. And he goes over there and he's not living for himself. He's living for other people. 
He cares more about what other people think about him, people who don't even know him, than live a life that honors God and his Father. Come on. That's good. He cares more about what other people think about him than what God and his Father think. And he goes to this other country, he's spending money, and he's now looking, he got to rain for over now. He's, 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 he has nice clothes. He probably has a nice house. He probably lives in a good community. He's living his best life now. Oh, oh. it's not joke, but I'll keep going. But he, 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 something happened. What happens? He spent all. He spent all his resources on stuff that he thought made him look good in the eyes of others. Because he thought that's living life. And, and the word's really ignorance. Because this young man is not just trying to be poor. He didn't go out there and say, oh, I want to be poor. He's trying to be rich forever. And he thinks being rich is what? Having nice stuff. Maybe he made some investments. We don't know. But what we do know is this, he spent all this money. Now the scripture takes a turn. Because then it says what? There arose a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in want. Now, if he spent all his money and there was no famine, we could completely and justifiably say, conclude that he could have been okay. But the fact that the famine came ended all that. He's in trouble now. Watch this. It says 15, then he went and joined himself, clean. It's almost like marriage. It's like when this word joined is like when you have a wound and you have to stitch it together. He, he clothed himself. He, he connected himself with, with a citizen of that country. Not, not a Jewish person. Not someone who worshipped the God of heaven and earth. But someone in another country who had that lifestyle that he, he wanted to be a part of. Watch this. He sent him, this, this man, this citizen, he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, a Jewish person didn't do what? They didn't mess with pigs. But he's now feeding pigs. Look at this. And it says, And he would gladly have filled his stomach with a pause that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. Now, what's interesting there is, he's not stealing you see what it says there? It says he would have he would have liked to. He would have gladly filled his stomach with this food the pigs are eating, but no one gave him anything. This, this guy is feeding pigs, starving. Now he has a place to stay because this man took him in, but he's hungry. How do I know he's hungry? Glad you had. Oh! 17. We can't get there. Well, that's that's next week. You have to come back. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's called marketing. That's hard adventures. Infinity War. They did it to us. And we're going to do it to you. I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> like we all watch Batman back in the day at the end. And you know, say, come back next week. Same time, bad time, same bad channel. So this, just take my word for it. If you don't believe me, come back next week. This guy ends here. He wants to eat this food. But he doesn't eat it. So he, he, he's not stealing this food. He, he's hungry. And, and eventually this family comes and says he, he, has to go, he has to go home. But, but that's a different story for next week. But here we're going to jump into a couple of points. 
See, our corrupted character compels us to desire the blessings of God free from the boundaries of God. There's a word we talked about a couple of months ago called, it's called covetousness. And coveting is interesting because really it's wanting more than what God has given you. That's simply what it is. And people have this hard time understanding what coveting means. When I covet something, it means I want something that is beyond the boundaries that God has set for me. This young man's sin is that he coveted a different lifestyle. He's going to come back and repent. And most people try to figure out why because of his lifestyle. What we see or want to see, he has character. He's not stealing. I would have stole those pigs bread or pods or whatever they were eating. I would have done it. Not told, but this guy, he's starving and he still doesn't take the food that the pigs are eating. He has character. But he, he wanted more than what, what God was willing to give him. And the challenge for us is, do we trust the boundaries that God has set for us in our lives? Don't you know that's the very sin that Eve fell from in the beginning? Did God really say, in God hold back? If you eat this, you can be like God. Didn't that what Satan said, his original sin? Oh, he wanted to be lifted up. I want to be like God. He wanted to be above what God has set for him. And because of the desire to want more than what God had required of him and set for him, the conscience that God gave him, he fell into a sin. Now, this is what interests about coveting. There's always two sins that happen. You covet and then you do another sin. Most people can say you always covet first. If you think about most sins, you desired something above what God was asking. When people fall into sexual sin or money stealing or whatever it is, there, there was this desire that happened first. You coveted something and then you steal, you stole, you killed, you did something else in order to, to get what you wanted. But coveting happened first. It's a sin of your heart. And that's where God's trying to work. And that's the sin of this young man. Take it back to the content of the scriptures. This was the sin of those people who were following Jesus back to Jerusalem. The tax collector. The sinner. All who knew they had fallen for this sin, but they knew they were wrong. So they repented and started following Christ. They eventually got right. The problem is the Pharisees and the Sadducees were unwilling to humble themselves men. They were wrong. We have to constantly or consistently vet our desires through the wisdom of God. This is a challenge we all have to do. I have like processes, processes in, in, in our lives or in my life. Like I go through stuff in order before I make the proper decision. Like I think what are the consequences of this choice? Now, me as a pastor, I have to make sure that you know what I'm doing? I'm, I'm thinking about your best interest first. Now, Brianna and Adam had a, a ceremony today, a, a special time, and we planned it out a while ago. And we had to rearrange the service, no real big deal, but, but this was their time. And regardless of what I thought I wanted to do or announcements we wanted to make, that, that was what was the priority. And, and if my heart was such that I was like, you know what? We're not going to do that because I want to speak longer. Like, i got a problem. Last week, we had a lady come to our church, prime example, whose husband is going, what? Blind. And we turned on the lights. 
And she said, you know what? This, this church is great, but I don't know if I'd come here because it's too dark. And we said, you know what? If, if lights, if lights would hinder you from coming, we'll keep these lights on. And there were some people like, we can't do that. We can't hear God's word in the light. <laughs> well, real. I'm like, man, we'll bring the sun up in here. It's because that person to come to our church. Because if I care more about ambiance than souls, I'm off. I have to check my heart. That's when we win. Judge yourselves so that you're not judged. So we need to pray for a heart like the Father's heart. Remember, this Father was insulted. And yet, what do we know what's going to happen? He's going to welcome his son. He's going to run out and meet him. He's going to give him a hug. Now, this is what is awesome about this scripture. That if you know your Bible, this actually references something that happened in the Old Testament. There was a, a young man who was coming home. His name was Jacob. God had wrestled with him, and now he had a limp hip, right? And, and he was coming back home, but he was afraid of his brother, right? Esau. And Esau is a father of the Edomites. Those were the, the enemies of Israel, right? And, and, and Esau saw Jacob coming to him. Now remember, Jacob had stolen his what? His blessing. Esau said, I'm going to kill you. And, and Jacob took off for like 14 years. Back and Jacob's scared. He's gonna kill me. He's gonna kill me. He's gonna kill me. And he, he sets his whole family up so that you know if, his, if the ones he don't like the, the least they get killed, the ones he likes the most will take off running. He did it. Like go back and read it. But 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 who is it that goes out and runs to who? Esau. This guy, the Bible says God hated. Esau. He came and run. He ran to his brother and put his arm and wept. The Bible said. His yoke will be lifted off of him. You see, Jesus is backhanded talking to these Pharisees, the Sadducees. He said, if the Father would welcome these sinners back this way, and if Esau, who was the enemy of Israel, would humble himself and welcome these sinners back, then why aren't you? We need to pray for a heart like God. We need to do it so that we'll avoid ending up outside of the protection of God. See, this young man asked for, for everything he, he thought he deserved. And when we leave God's protection, leave God's will, we, we are on our own. See, sometimes people misconstrue when bad things happen. A lot of times those negative things happen not because God's fighting against us. It's just that he, he withdraws his protection. And when he does that, bad things happen. And it just takes a little bit of humility to say, I need to get back under God's protection. I need to surrender back to His will. Now, I'm not saying bad things don't happen to you when you're in God. I'm just saying there's a difference when bad things happen to you when you're under God's protection. Because outside of God's protection, you're, you're all on your own. You need God's grace to make it. See, it's God's heart to give you His best, but we need to pray for patience until we are prepared to receive it. The Father wanted to give the Son all that good experience that He was going to have, and He knew the Son wasn't ready for it. He was immature. He just needed a little bit of time. And for us, in our own lives, some things God has withheld from us because we've proven to be immature. 
And it's not that God won't give it to us, it just will. See, some of us want it all now here on this planet, right now as it is. The Bible says, store your treasures up where? In heaven. Heaven. Roth, Roth, where was it rusted, mopped, don't corrupt, where thieves can't break in and steal. He's, he wants to give you gifts that you can never, ever lose. But you got to trust him. Remember, God wants to bless you. He wants to. He desires to. Are you prepared for it? I want to give my son a Ferrari. Which one? Doesn't matter. They're all wrecking. <laughs> Every single one of them, right? A wrecking, someone drooling it, doesn't matter. Like they're all breaking. They're not ready for it. We have to realize sometimes we're not ready. Doesn't mean it doesn't love us. Doesn't mean it doesn't want it the best for us. Sometimes it's just waiting until we're ready for it. Gotta trust in this process. Recap. Did anybody learn anything today? If so, are you willing to, to share? Anybody? Oh. Did you think I was gonna keep going? <laughs> Anybody learn anything? Somebody breathe. Give your cares and concerns and worries to God. How can how can we do what? How can we how does this make a difference in our lives? If we give our concerns, our cares to God, what does that mean for us? Freedom. Because we don't have to care about that burden. We have to worry about is it going to happen? God's the one that's going to make it happen. Or not. What can you do with it? Anybody? You can trust him. God is preparing soldiers because we're in the midst of a battle. And the battle isn't won by our physical might, but by our yielding to his spirit and through love. And I wish there was another way. I wish they said, everybody who could bench press 225 pounds, you get to heaven. I'm like, no. Anybody can run a 4 2 you get to heaven, I'll be running like a machine, right? Like, I've been doing all those things. Anybody who get a 400 on an ACT, SAT, whatever the SAT is, you'll get into heaven. He didn't say anything. He says, trust, have faith, and love. Can I pray for you? Bow our hands. If there's anybody here today you don't know the Father, if you don't know him personally, intimately, or, or you may be here today, you you asked him to uh, to give you all your stuff and you've went to a, a faraway country. If you're here today and you wanna you wanna come back to the Lord, while every head is bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to just lift your hands really quickly, put it down, and we'll pray for you. I'll call you out. Is there one you want to turn to God this morning? Amen. See the hand. Well, Church, I'm going to ask you all to pray this prayer with me while your head is bowed, your eyes closed. Say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I surrender to you. Come into my heart. Lead me. I turn from my purpose. I turn to yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise.
This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. Stronger in the presence of my soul.